Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Your long wait is over. It is game week for Georgia and Clemson, and man, it's a fun one. And listen, I got the butterflies in my stomach, and you only get that a few times a year, right? You know, you're lucky as a sports fan to have these moments because it reminds me of, I think I've said this before, something Tony LaRusso, the former you know manager of the Cardinals, once said. It's like, you can't sleep, you know, you can't eat, you can't get comfortable, and you want to feel that way all the time. That's just what the great sporting moments provide for you, that angst. And as a fan of Georgia against a big team, big game on Saturday, Clemson, I got that angst. Most regular season college football games for a program the caliber of the Bulldogs, most games don't provide that level of energy. This one clearly does. I'm sure many of you feel the same way that I do, and you're glad that you feel that way. You're glad that you wake up on this Monday. The world just feels a little different, right? The the sun shines a little brighter. The faint breeze that you occasionally get feels a little bit more enjoyable. The whole thing just feels a little different knowing that it is truly a game week. And there is one point that I'm going to try to you know hammer home pretty hard here over the course of the next five days, or four, I guess not counting today, four days, leading up to game day for Georgia and Clemson. And that is my belief that the game itself actually has more at stake than some people are kind of giving it credit for. The overall consensus seems to be, well, hey, it's two good teams, two highly, highly ranked opponents, and the loser of this game can easily shake it off, run the table after that, and still have a chance to make the college football playoff. And here's the point I'm going to make to you. That even if that is true, and there's a chance that it is, I think the stakes for Georgia actually go even higher than that. And as as, as a way of setting all of this up, let me go to a podcast for a moment that I kind of enjoy. It's not like the probably the most you know famous podcast out there for college football. It's just kind of one that I like. It is from the ESPN family. You see the Bear, Chris Felica, on ESPN College Game Day. You see Stanford Steve sometimes if you watch the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center. They're kind of like gambling guys. They get together and talk about college football from a gambling perspective. And on one of their shows a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about Georgia Clemson. And I've heard this sentiment expressed a lot of different ways, but as just kind of a snapshot of kind of what some are saying about what Georgia Clemson means and what it doesn't mean here this Saturday. Let me give you an idea of kind of what the snapshot, the synopsis of all of this is, and then I'm going to try to tell you after that why I believe that common opinion is probably wrong. This is the Bear and Stanford Steve from the ESPN Family Podcast talking about the value, the importance of Georgia Clemson. Take a listen to this. I have one uh, thought for you to ponder. Mm Mm-hmm. Does Clemson, Georgia really mean anything in the grand scheme of things? Looking down the road, does that game mean anything for the national championship? It means means something for the winner. I think the winner of that game gets a potential, I don't want to say mulligan, but they get an extra bargaining chip. They they, they, they get a nice little little, uh, investment in the bank and the kitty to uh, potentially down the road where if they do happen to slip up late or later in the year, they can point to that win over the other team as a very strong resume builder uh, for the college football play. But, but, but I know exactly where you're headed. So I think it's interesting to hear the Bayer and Stanford Steve from ESPN saying that. And let me talk about the tangible thing that the Bayer, Chris Felica, who you heard him address, and I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit more 
I guess, intangible, but maybe the more important factor for Georgia against Clemson coming up on Saturday. First of all, the tangible part of this is true, that that the winner of this game buys themselves some leverage. Now, Clemson typically doesn't need that leverage because it's in an ACC, kind of a weak league, and it's fairly easy to run the table throughout all of that. But as I've said before, you want to talk about Georgia fans getting their uh, you know battle gear on, let a Clemson team lose to Georgia uh, week one, cl- run the table, win the ACC after that. You better believe that Georgia fans, regardless of their status as SEC champion, are going to want to see Georgia in the playoff over Clemson, regardless of its status as ACC champion, because in that particular instance, Georgia would have won head-to-head. So I think the Bear is right when he says, listen, the winner of this game provides themselves a little bit of cushion if nothing else in comparison to the team that they beat because you want those head-to-head games to matter there so so the winner of this game ought to buy themselves a little something for Georgia in 2018 who played close against Alabama who lost that game and had to listen to guys like Kirk Herbstreit on ESPN TV that Saturday night in December of 2018 saying we think that Georgia one of the four best teams in the country ultimately the committee itself ignored all of that how nice would it have been for that Georgia team to have had a win against a program the caliber of Clemson to bolster that argument as truly being one of the four best teams in the country, even though it's only SEC runner-up. So I think that is a very fair, interesting thing for the Bear to say is, you can't say this game means nothing for the winner. The loser may still have plenty of football left to overcome the victory, or should I say overcome the defeat, but the winner actually gets something that later on it can use. That's a pretty nice trophy to have on the wall come week one. But ultimately, though, and this is, I think, the place we need to spend some time here this week. Ultimately, though, the real value of the game from Georgia's side is not the tangible thing I just explained there. It may be the more intangible thing. And this is one of those things where I have to probably say something that you know, maybe some Georgia fans would, I guess, prefer not be true, maybe prefer not to have pointed out, but I do think it needs to be pointed out. Think about like the 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 big wins that Kirby Smart's gotten at, since he's come to Georgia and the big losses that he's taken since coming to Georgia. You know, if you look at the big wins, it's a couple of times against Notre Dame. It's the 2017 SEC Championship against Auburn. It's obviously the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma, biggest win of all. Uh, It's a couple of very important wins against Florida, 2018, 2019. A lot of folks remember the blowout win against Mississippi State uh, back when the Bulldogs, the Maroon Bulldogs, were only a three-point underdog coming into Athens. That was a game where a lot of folks were kind of talking about, you know, Georgia getting upset there in Sanford Stadium. Georgia won like 37-3. Like Those are like the big wins that, that Georgia has gotten under Kirby Smart. And there's nothing to apologize about any of those wins. You, if you want to add the, the Peach Bowl last year against the top 10 Cincinnati team, you could do that. But the coaches that Georgia beat, Kirby Smart himself, beat in those games, you're talking about Luke Fickle, who's never really won anything. You're talking about Brian Kelly, who's been to a couple college football playoffs, played for BCS title, but hasn't come within seven yards of actually winning one of those games. You're talking about Dan Mullen, who's never really won anything. You're talking about Gus Malzahn, who played for a title in 2013, did win an SEC championship, but for the most part was kind of below the caliber of of, of national championship winning coaches. I kind of did some of this off the the back of a cocktail napkin getting ready for the show, the national championship winning coach that Kirby Smart has beaten was Jimbo Fisher in 2019. Now, that's Fisher was kind of in a different place in his career with that Aggies team than even he is now with Texas A&M kind of ranking the top 10 and far removed from the 2013 season where he'd won the thing at Florida State. But if you want to think about like college football playoff era national champions, Smart's played five of those and he's lost all five and he's lost each of those five games by an average of 15 points. So this is the 
intangible thing that Kirby Smart and Georgia are playing for week one on Saturday. This would be a level of achievement for Georgia that up to this point in time has not been unlocked. Listen, beating Oklahoma is a big win. That's an Oklahoma team that hasn't won a college football playoff game yet. They've been fairly well humiliated in some of those things. Dan Mullen, those wins against Florida in 18 and 19 years like that's a big win. But Dan Mullen's not a championship-level coach. Dabo Swinney is. He's won two college football playoff national championships. And you can mock him for the ACC stuff and the fact that's a weak league, and it truly is. But he's beaten Alabama twice uh, on the way to winning national championships. For Kirby, to beat Dabo head-to-head would be a very big deal. In some ways, it'd only be symbolic because you still got a whole football season to play after that. But symbolism in this case would matter. It would be proof of something that Georgia fans believe and just need to see some evidence to prove it to everybody else. Georgia fans believe their program is on on par with the very best programs in the country. And it has, has probably suffered a little bit from the fact that it's only able to be compared to whoever the best team in the SEC happens to be in any given year. In the last couple of years, best team in the SEC has literally been one of the best teams of all time in college football. LSU in 2019, Alabama last year, you know, uh, on, on and on you could go with that. This is a chance for Georgia to compare themselves to someone else. National championship winning coach in Dabo Swinney, but not quite the same level of historic achievement that recent SEC champions who have also gone on to win national championships have gone on to do. So This is a very important measuring stick for Georgia. It's the kind of game that proves what's possible for Georgia maybe at the end of the season. It's the kind of game that unlocks a level of achievement that Kirby Smart for everything that he has done at Georgia. The kind of thing that he hasn't quite done yet college football playoff winning national champion winning coach a chance to beat that guy head to head it's the kind of thing that would make even more believers out of folks in dog nation about what uga can do and maybe even earn some praise for the dogs outside the bubble of the uh, fan base that we're all a part of here so don't say that georgia clemson doesn't mean anything on saturday as the bear chris felica said means something for the winner but if it's george that wins the game it means a whole lot more for it because all of a sudden now you're talking about Georgia being in a much, much different category than it's been up until now. It's one of the reasons that I can't wait for Saturday to get here. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, we kicked off our brand new first and 15 this morning on the Dog Nation homepage, the Dog Nation app. How much fun was that to be able to deliver video, especially to those platforms? I mean, listen, you got to understand something. Like, it wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago. I was doing this thing in, the, in, in a closet in my house, and all of a sudden now we've got, like, video starting at different platforms on different times, and uh, you got a squirrel back there, you know, just kind of, you know, running on a, on a hamster wheel to make all this uh, work. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to be able to see, and I'm really happy to be, be able to do it all. And, of course, we wouldn't be able to deliver this for you if it wasn't for our great sponsor, our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Not only do they help us keep the lights on here and deliver this content to you each and every day, they also can equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. And listen, you think about a weekend like we had where it's 1,000 degrees, right? You don't want that hot air coming into your house. Energy-efficient windows and doors prevents that from happening. Also, all like the bugs and stuff like that that are always you know, swimming around here, floating around here in the summertime because it's so hot, you know, keep that stuff on the outside too. Keep the cold air where it's supposed to be inside the house, the junk from the outside, keep that where it's supposed to be. That's what better windows and doors can do for you. And that's what Pella Window and Door for you can do for you there as well. Locally owned branch right here in Georgia, that means great service. 
uh, family-inspired service, really. And think about the nationally known brand that Pella is. Really get the best of both worlds on all of that. Also, great savings between now and September 16th as well. You can replace all your windows with payments as low as $99 a month or you can get 10% off qualifying installations. A couple different ways to get in touch. Give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or visit PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. And tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said they would take good care of you because I truly know that they will. All right, it's John Stinchcomb here coming up at a moment. He'll take good care of us with a classic City Logger Insider update. John will give his thoughts on how the dogs can get it done on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to being able to do that. Before we do that with John, and uh, also before we're done today's show, kind of a closer look at what's happening at Clemson right now. You know, Clemson's the favorite. Clemson's the more nationally known brand because they've been in the college football playoff every year since 2015. But they are not without their concerns. They are not without their issues as we head towards Saturday. And we'll address some of that in just a moment for the uh, Tigers before we're done on today's show. But for now, let's go around the doghouse. And it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I, I got to correct the record on something. You've heard me now for a while say, oh, where's the big hype for Georgia? You know, this this hype for Georgia that everybody keeps talking about, Georgia hyped up again. You've heard me say, I haven't really heard that hype. In, in fact, it was kind of a big enough deal that a couple of weeks ago on the show, we brought Peter Burns from the SEC Network on the show because Peter was one of the ones who was picking Georgia to win the national championship. Well, if Peter was first man through the door, there's a whole host of folks following him. And listen, you know, some Georgia fans like it. They like to be thought of as a team that can win the national championship. Some Georgia fans don't want that hype. They don't want, as Nick Saban was famous for describing, they don't want the rat poison that goes along with that. You can decide for yourself kind of, you know, if you want it or not, care about it or not. But it's important for me to note that, boy, things have kind of changed a little bit since I last told you there was no hype around Georgia. Let's start with ESPN College Game Day on Saturday. Uh, a couple of the hosts on the show, including the former Georgia great David Pollock and the legendary TV figure, although now kind of in the winter of his career, Lee Corso, both Pollock and Corso made their case for Georgia to win the title. So here around the doghouse, assisted by AAA, let me let you hear game day from Saturday. Here's mine. Got Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State. I told you Alabama would win the SEC championship game. Yep. Georgia will beat them in the natty. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Georgia will beat them Get in the natty. Tricky. Yeah, okay. tricky with gotcha. Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. The winner, Georgia. They haven't won a national championship in 41 years. 41 years. This is the year. Make Georgia. Go dog. Go George. And Coach Corso, we're all fully brief in the 41 years thing. You don't have to quite hammer that point home quite so much. But interesting to hear both Pollock and Corso making their case. On the on the case for Pollock, I mean, it is interesting that he's got Georgia winning the title via the route that Alabama followed in 2017, not winning the SEC, although I guess in this case David does has Georgia as the SEC runner-up, and then making the college football playoff as a second SEC team. We saw a conference championship game loser make the title game a year ago with Notre Dame. So from that standpoint, it's another reason why that Georgia-Clemson game probably means a little bit more than you otherwise might think because Georgia making the playoff as a second SEC team seems like a virtual impossibility if you don't at least have the head-to-head win versus Clemson. So the path that Pollock has Georgia traveling to win a national championship, that seems 
just uh, the prerequisite for that would seem to be that week one game against Clemson. So another reason why that game truly matters and in kind of the tangible on-field results kind of way, not just the symbolic way that I spoke about before. But wait, that's not all. Because in addition to Pollock and and, and Corso making their case on ESPN's game day, there's also the big noon, what is it called? Big noon Saturday that the Fox Sports Show. One of their analysts is former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops. Stoops also on TV on Saturday. I don't have the audio for this, but but he made his prediction for Georgia there as well. Can we show this on the screen? He says, and he, he went on to talk about, this is kind of a long-ranging opinion from Stoops. He mentions the fact that Alabama seems to only win national championships every other year I don't know if that means that Stoops is like a believer in astrology somehow it's not possible for Alabama to win back-to-back titles they did do that in 2011-2012 I guess Uh, Stoops was still coaching then so maybe he didn't notice but he kind of brings some astrology into all of this they don't do it in opposite years they only do it in every other year scenarios but he also talked about JT Daniels and the boost that he provided the Georgia offense when when he came in for the last four games last year, the recruiting success Georgia has. And Stoops finally concluded by saying, I think Georgia would be one to be poised to do it all or have a chance to. Now, we're going to coach up Coach Stoops on the hot take stuff. Like, you can't tell me Georgia's going to win it all or at least have a chance to. We already know they have a chance to win it all. It, It sounds like Stoops wanted to make the case for Georgia actually doing that, but kind of backed off that there at the end. But ultimately... This is kind of what all of this comes down to, right? Georgia does kind of swing on that pendulum between team that has a chance to win it all versus team that actually will win it all. And Lee Corso said, ah, 1980s since Georgia won the national championship. All of that's ancient history. None of that factors into the Georgia discussion right now. The thing that matters more than anything else is the last couple of years where Georgia has been that team of, are they a shortlist contender who could win it all or is this the team that gets the luck that it needs, the health that it needs, the performance from the top-end players that it needs, the decision-making in-game from the coaches that it needs? Is this the year it puts it all together and actually becomes the team that goes from could win it all to team that does win it all? Well, there is some hype growing that maybe Georgia will be that bunch, and interesting to see that on TV on Saturday. That is Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA and don't forget about this when it comes to AAA. We talk about legendary roadside assistance with AAA, but also think about them as well when it comes to your auto insurance there too. Because when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. Incredible savings there. $529 on average you save. Just go to the website. It's AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Switch and save today with AAA. All right. The most talked about thing of the weekend was probably something that had, well, not too much to do with college football, but you better believe the college football fans were noticing it in a big way. We'll tell you about that before we're done on today's program. But for now, on everything for Georgia Clemson, what it's going to take to win this game for the Dogs on Saturday, the growing hype around Georgia Clemson that we discussed a moment ago, and a look back at one of the most memorable wins for the Dogs in this series. Let's do it all right now with our good friend John Stinchcomb. It's a classic city logger insider update, and it's great to have all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It is game week, and no better person to kick off game week with than a guy that knows a lot about these game weeks. Uh, he's played in them. He's followed them as a you know a fan of the dogs in his post-playing career and a Good friend of ours here. It's a classic city logger insider update with John Stinchcomb right now. 
John, to me, maybe this is kind of a dumb thing to say, but you know, the you wake up this morning, you're just going to feel a little bit different, right? It's it, you know, it's like the last few weeks. Obviously, I love the summer and I like all that kind of stuff. But man, when you show up to work, knowing you're only a few days away from being in Charlotte, getting ready to you know get it taped up for a game like this, I'm sorry, the energy just flows a little better on a day like this. I think. I can't wait. I know we're not alone. It's uh, finally football week and a big one for the dogs. I mean, coming up against Clemson, obviously, since they had it on the calendar, everyone knew this was going to be a huge game. But now it's only a few days away, and uh, we can stop uh, prognosticating and wondering what's going to happen and who's going to be out there and uh, how are the dogs going to look this year? We're finally able to figure out and see what exactly we're going to deploy on Saturday. Yeah, so before we get into that game deeply, because I do want to do that with you here today, let me let you piggyback off what I was just talking about a moment ago, which is, you know, for a while this summer, it seemed like eh, there weren't a lot of, you know, big, bold predictions in favor of Georgia. You know, SEC media days kind of mm-hmm. came and went without a lot of that, but over the course of the weekend, you started to see that change a bit. You know, David Pollock, Lee Corso both picked Georgia to win the national championship. Bob Stoops came very close on Fox to picking Georgia to win the national championship. All of a sudden, what seemed like a little bit of a hype-free summer for UGA, now the week of the game starts to feel a little bit different in that regard. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that I guess I'd rather have the media picking me than not because it makes me you know more relevant in the conversation but what do you make of what seems to be some growing buzz around georgia here just a few days before the season opener i think it's funny because for months i've heard my buddies georgia fans former georgia teammates fuss about how georgia's underrated and how can they not show the respect of, of for this program and i i really feel like you know, there's so many great pieces in place, especially with the transfer additions. And then you get to this week, and, and you know, Pollock picks them, and Corso picks them, and they're like, oh, no, we're cursed. You know, why would they, they <laughs> hex us with uh, you know, these labels of we can take it all? So <laughs> it's just funny. Um, you know, I, I, I think to show the, the level of respect that Georgia has garnered on a national scale, just because of, of what they've been able to accumulate. And, you know, let's be honest, B.A., this uh, training camp has, has been a rough one for the dogs. And yeah. The number of players that have been affected by injury and, you know, off-field personal mental issues. I mean, it's been significant. And to head into um, this game and, and national pundits still believe that Georgia has what it takes – I think it's a testament to the work and uh, just overall organization that Coach Smart and his staff have put together. I mean, you look at the roster, and it's a deep one, and it's needed to be, and we haven't even played a, a week one. Uh, wide receivers, tight ends specifically, just the number of guys and names that um, have, have been injured. I mean, what program out there could you lose a George Pickens and then pick up a guy like Gilbert, and neither are, are, are going to be available week one and still feel like, hey, I, I think we've got enough horses in the stable to, to get in this race. So I think it's just a testament to, to the overall program that they've created and the depth that allows teams to be in this national conversation, if, if nothing else early in the season. I think that's a great point. And I want to look more deeply at Georgia Clemson now. 
I don't want to poison the well with this question. I have a picture in my mind of what I think a Georgia win versus Clemson looks like. I'm curious for you to tell me what you think it looks like, whether you want to take this from the approach of keys to victory or just kind of the image that conjured gets conjured up in your mind if you think about Georgia being happy on Saturday night. What does it take for Georgia to beat Clemson on Saturday? Well, let's start defensively. I think you have to affect a quarterback, and I think um, we need that emergence of – I expect the defensive line to be a strong suit for Georgia throughout this entire season, right? Like you've Interior-wise, you've got some stunts that continue to come back and, and anchor this front. Davis, um, the return of Devontae Wyatt, and Rochester I think is underrated. Those those three guys alone solidify the interior of that D-line. What I think matters most against Clemson is edge pressure. How can we get the, the pressure on the quarterback um, and, and affect their passing game? Because, quite honestly, if I'm Clemson, I'm coming into this game and I'm saying, I want to test, I want to air it out. I want to see what they've got on this in this back end and um, put it in the, in the arm of uh, – my stud star quarterback that no one really knows what to expect other than the potential that he's brought to this program. So that's where I'd start. I want to see, uh, you know, keys to victory for Georgia starts at affecting the pass rusher. And, and offensively, it's the converse, right? So Clemson's got arguably one of the best defensive fronts in college football. How does our O-line match up with them? I think the, the ability to minimize the effects of uh, Breesey and, and Murphy and that entire defensive front for Clemson is going to be a key. Uh, keeping JT Daniels clean and open up holes for, for our running backs, you know, you could say this every week, but when you go up against Clemson, if they're able to rush just four and play coverage in the back end and you don't have an answer for that, uh, that's, that's how it played out in the Super Bowl. You watch – that Kansas City offensive uh, front struggle against a pass rush that was only bringing four, and it's a, it's a miserable experience. There's not a lot of answers you can have as a coordinator when um, the, the defense that you're facing is able to rush just four guys yeah. and still be effective. So uh, I think it, that's the, the marquee matchups that you circle in this game. I think that's all very well said. You know, obviously, John, want this to be like a 40-plus point-per-game offense for Georgia. That's what it may take to win a national championship. I don't believe, though, that's where Georgia is right now. At least that's the sneaking suspicion that I get. Maybe I'm, you know, you know, uh, affected by some of the things I've heard but the UGA offense in recent days, or, 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 you know, maybe that really is true, but this might not quite be as powerful an offense right now as it could be at the end of the season. I still think it takes 30-plus points to win this game. I don't believe the winning team scores in the 20s on Saturday. I believe it's probably in the 30s. But as you said, you know, finding a way to get to 30, but finding a way to hold Clemson below that 30-point mark, finding a way to look at a team breaking in a new full-year season starting quarterback, you know, new weapons mm-hmm. at running back, new weapons at wide receiver, finding a way to go out there. I'm not saying hold them to 13 points because I don't think you can do that. I mean, that's just not what college football is these days. But finding a way to hold them to 24 uh, and then, you know, find a way to win this game 31-24 or you know, 35-28 or something along those lines. I mean, to me, 24-27 points, that 
that feels like good defense in 2021, just to be completely honest with you, especially if that comes along with a few negative plays that stop would-be scoring drives, figuring out a way to get yourself in the 30s. To me, that's the way this game probably plays out on Saturday. That's probably more points than, than Vegas is expecting, more points than some fans are expecting. But while I don't think it's going to be played in the 40s, I don't see it being 21-17 either, I guess. No, I would say, you know, I'm with you in, in, in taking the over, and I'm going to say something really groundbreaking that the fans are going to be shocked to hear, but I think turnovers is going to play a big part in oh, this wow. game. Oh, wow. I think, uh, yep, isn't this shocking, PA? First time so, I've heard that in, in the yeah, breakdown yeah, of a football game, yeah. Yep. It's crazy, it's crazy. But there's so many, uh, on both sides, uh, both teams, there's so many new pieces, and um, you know, part of Georgia's issue is not the, the quarterback situation that we entered into the season last year with, but just the availability of, of wide receivers and being on the same page in that vein. That's, that's the concern for Georgia. If I'm Clemson, there are so many new faces. And I mean, good ones, right? I mean, they, they keep their cupboards pretty full as well, but um, it's different when the live bullets are fired and you're out on the field and um, I think it's that. That's why I say affecting the passer is such a key for Georgia. You want to rush a, a young quarterback that hasn't had the game experience of some of these seasoned vets, which is lacking across the board on the national scale of these top five teams. I mean, outside of Rattler, you look at it and say there's a lot of really marquee programs that don't have returning quarterbacks. I think that's a strength of Georgia's. You know, where, where are we at chemistry-wise with so many of the weapons and wide receivers that JT Daniels should have at his, at his disposal unavailable? So I think uh, the ability for this Georgia defense to uh, affect the Clemson passing game, get in the backfield, and force some bad decisions uh, is going to be a real key for this for this game. I want to look back at a great moment for you against Clemson coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our classic City Logger Insider Update with our great former Georgia All-American, good friend John Stinchcomb here. And, of course, as all of you are getting ready for the game on Saturday, getting stocked up for your tailgate is a big part of that. And let me encourage you, as you're getting stocked, to think about my friends at Classic City Logger from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. Uh, a great taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. This is available, a great-looking can, by the way, available in 6- and 12-pack cans. Wherever you're doing your shopping, you can pick up some Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's available all year long, but it, boy, tastes good this time of year as we're heading towards the fall. It's a lager-style beer, which means it's a lighter beer, easy-drinking beer. But listen, for those of you that love that crisp, bold flavor, you get plenty of that when it comes to Classic City Lager there as well because it's really a craft-style lager beer, so that's a, uh, that's a fun thing all the way around. Really complex flavor notes, really delicious uh, but easy to drink there. It's, it's really kind of the best of all worlds for those of you that are looking for a terrific beer choice. We head towards game day. Classic City Lager, a, a great one. My intel tells me there's going to be plenty of Classic City Lager on the Dog Nation Express bus on the uh, way, the Dog Nation Invasion, I should say, the Dog Nation Invasion bus on the way to Charlotte on Saturday. So I am excited for the folks who get a chance to enjoy that. John, you had a chance going back 2002 to enjoy what Dog players hope they get a chance to enjoy this Saturday night. That's a win against Clemson. And I talked to some of our video audience before our show began today of, that was a big moment, I thought, for Coach Rick, right after an 8-4 and season in 2001, which included the Hobnail Boot game. But 
you know, when you're trying to establish a program, you know, there's some there's some challenging early days. And the 2002 win against Clemson, not a great Clemson team probably that year, but the kind of moment that I thought set the stage for the run that you all went on to eventually win the SEC championship. It was a great day for DJ Shockley, of course, against Clemson. Georgia kind of played two quarterbacks uh, there that day. When you think back to your own win and your season, your senior season against Clemson, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think it comes uh, – what pops out first is in the fourth quarter, we were trying to run the four-minute drill, just run out the clock and um, keep possession of the ball, not give it back to Clemson. And we were doing a pretty good job of it. But uh, Coach Rick challenged the offense, and there was a fourth-down conversion, fourth and short, that we that we came away with. And, uh, it sealed the deal. And, and after the game, you know, as a – elder statesman i'm sticking around and had to do some uh media interviews and i ended up saying you know they're asking about the call what did i think of coach rick and this call and there was a little bit of my description involved in brass and certain body part which (laughs) you know total locker locker talk right and I got called into Coach Rick's office the next morning. <laughs> I was like, uh, probably not the best choice of words there in describing it, but you know, for the program overall, it was a big win. I mean, I think it set the tone early and and said that we've got what it takes and uh, the right metal, if you will, to uh, to just have a great season that year. But yeah, the, those are the first couple things that stick out and. You know, Clemson wasn't the program they are now, but it was still uh, an early test for us. And, you know, those are defining. Those create identity for any team. Um, when you, you play in those big games early on and you come through that test a little better having won and said, you know what, I kind of like what we have in this locker room. So, yes, it uh, these early games, you know, they don't matter quite as much as, as those Last games when you get closer to the college football playoffs and you know, the national implications of the end-of-the-year games, but they most certainly uh, matter when you're talking about creating identity and building confidence and, and setting the tone for a season. It's a great story, and as you tell it, I'm actually remembering. I, I'd almost forgotten about that, but you're right. It's the key play of the game, and what we should make sure the audience understands is is the, the fourth and short that y'all converted to close that game out came deep in your own territory. This was not going for it from the Clemson 35. This was going for it from like deep in Georgia territory here. Now, later on in subsequent years, like that's something that Bill Belichick started doing more. I think your old uh, pro coach, Sean Payton, you know, went for it in his own territory a few times, but that was not a very common thing to do in college football back in 2002 was to go for it in your own territory. Uh, You know, Rick took a lot of heat for even making the choice, although it worked. But I think your description of that actually ends up being, you know, you know, pretty appropriate that, listen, if you trust your offensive line, if you trust Moose Smith enough to get that first down in that situation there, that's showing a lot of confidence in your team. And it was certainly a, an, un- an unorthodox decision for that time and place in which it happened. Yeah, and, and the era has certainly changed. But, yeah, going for it on fourth down was almost taboo. Anytime it's in on your side of the 50. You just know that it's going to be highly scrutinized, and for him to have the confidence, and 
Uh, I think justifiably so. We had six senior or, or close to it offensive linemen and a Musa Smith at the running back who, you know, if, if you can't get a yard, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have a rough season. That was kind of our, our, our mindset. And, uh, luckily we were able to prove him right in that decision, but it most certainly was, um, not in vogue during those years to, to challenge the status quo of if it's fourth down on your side of the 50, you got to punt it. I'll tell you this, the mindset y'all took into that game and closed that game out with in 2002 sounds like a pretty good mindset for this Georgia team on Saturday there as well. John, thanks for telling us that story. So entertaining, and thanks for your insight and thoughts on how Georgia gets it done this upcoming Saturday there as well. Terrific stuff. Appreciate you being here for our Classic City Logger Insider Update, and we will look forward to getting a chance to speak with you very soon too. Next time we're in the Classic City Logger update, we're going to be talking about football that we got to see the previous weekend. And so I can't wait, and uh, it's going to be a good good weekend for the dogs. I feel confident. I can't wait to uh, watch them take the field against Clemson. Great stuff, John. Thanks for your time. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it's a fun story from John Stenchko. 2002. Uh, I remember that day very well. A uh, big day from DJ Shockley, but as John said, also a big day for Coach Rick. And I, for some reason, I, I just – a lot of y'all probably have this very much at the forefront of your memory. For some reason, I just kind of forgot about big, gutsy call. As John said, you know, there's a apt way to describe that that maybe would uh, shock some folks back then, but uh, that's, that's about right in terms of the brass ones it took to uh, make that decision. And the Georgia offensive line, led in part by John Stinchcomb, goes out there and gets that done. That's a uh, – that's a fun thing to look back on and a really good thing from John Stinchcomb all the way around there now. I'll transition now to our SEC through, and obviously this is a little bit, you know, shifting gears without a clutch here. A lot less enjoyable subject right now is some of what's going on in the state of Louisiana. Obviously, it's always that thing in this time of year, this part of the world, that as we think about the start of the college football season, we also think about the time in which the hurricane season is really kind of kicking into gear, right? August turns to September. Uh, into October, those are obviously high-volume months for tropical weather and, and bad storms. And obviously, Louisiana has been hit hard here, like a 16-year anniversary, I guess, from from Hurricane Katrina. And so you're hearing this a lot from around the SEC right now. And we're obviously here at Dog Nation Daily very much of the same mind. Sincere prayers. And you say, hey, prayers go out. I mean, I try to be the kind of person that – if I'm going to say I'm praying for you, I'm going to really pray for you. At least that's what I try to. That's the mindset I try to have. And so, sincerely speaking, you know, I'll be praying for folks that I know in Louisiana, folks that I know of, have not met. That state's been through a lot, and this is another example of that. And obviously, you know, a lot of the SEC kind of feels the same way. There's, there's, you know, football implications to all this. Oklahoma is actually supposed to play at Tulane in New Orleans on Saturday. We'll see how that's impacted by all of this. Obviously, LSU had kind of made some plans to be displaced knowing the weather was coming so we'll follow the football side of this in the days ahead but for right now it's more of a human story and obviously we want to be a part of that i know many of you all feel the same way on that so this is a fun happy day for us but obviously for the folks in louisiana a lot of folks dealing with some real challenges there and so that will not be far from our mind at any point in time as they do that and once again kind of awkward segue back into the enjoyable part of the conversation one of the things that we'll do a lot in the days to come, talk about some of the bigger games in the SEC towards Saturday. And LSU in Pasadena against UCLA will certainly be one of those, as well as like Miami 
Alabama and you know Ole Miss and Louisville. There's some fun games to talk about. There are also some of these kind of like big point spreads for SEC teams playing, group of five type teams uh, that I, I do think are worthy of some attention. A few of these, not all of them are necessarily interesting, but a few of these I think are probably pretty interesting. So before we get into like the bigger games over the course of the week, let me highlight a couple of SEC teams facing pretty big point spreads on Saturday, and I'll tell you why I think these games in particular are pretty interesting. Can we show these on the screen here for a moment? All these lines come courtesy of our friends at BetUS. So let's start on Thursday with Bowling Green against Tennessee. Tennessee is about a 34 and a half point favorite there against Bowling Green. Now, I think that Tennessee is awful. I think if you're thinking about gambling stuff, season win total over-unders, Tennessee is at six. I think the under on that's a really good play. But let's watch this on Saturday, or I should say on Thursday. This is a Tennessee team that moves the football against a bad Bowling Green team. Start thinking about this, the idea that Tennessee is going to lose, but also score points a lot this season. So if you're interested in, I'm going to use a fancier word than I should. If you're interested in the idea of an arbitrage here a little bit, you know, a slight hedge if you need it, but also a chance to double up when possible, think about Tennessee at BetUS as a season win total under but possibly single-game point total overs. Like I said, that gives you a chance to kind of play both sides of the coin there a little bit. Uh, what the Vols do against Bowling Green on Thursday may go some ways towards determining that. K.J. Jefferson is going to get a chance to make his debut as the full season starter for Arkansas against Rice on Saturday. This is an Arkansas team that I don't think is competitive in the SEC West, but I do think has a chance to be Texas. And so seeing how the Razorbacks with the Kendall Browles offense move the football against the Owls coming up on Saturday. Can they cover that 19.5 point number? I think that ends up being pretty interesting. Missouri is also a team that I like a little bit. They're actually a fairly narrow favorite against the Chippewas of Central Michigan. The honest truth is, I don't know if Central Michigan's good or what, but that's a smaller number than I thought it would be. Missouri's a team that I think can go 8-4. and four. Uh, I think can you know beat a couple of teams in the SEC East certainly have a chance to beat Arkansas as well their crossover rival so less than a two touchdown favorite may be worth your time and finally there's this and I'll make this very quick Kentucky is I've got it there at 19 and a half but I think I actually uh, that is an error on my part so if you're watching this uh, be careful I made an error Kentucky is a 29 and a half point favorite against Louisiana Monroe and 29 and a half actually may not be enough points you know typically speaking you're not maybe all that interested in these huge point total spreads y'all do some due diligence on Louisiana Monroe there's a chance this is the worst team in the country uh Terry Bowden's the coach there uh I think Rich Rodriguez maybe the offensive coordinator their season win total is only like a game and a half one and a half wins uh the number I have on the screen, that's my error. It's actually 29 and a half, but they may win by 39 and a half. So do your due diligence on that. Pay close attention to the Wildcats. And then there finally there's this. And all of what I just said was the precursor to build to this. Florida hosts Florida Atlantic. Florida is favored by 24 and a half points at last check. Y'all be really careful with Florida Atlantic for a moment. Now I'm not telling you they're gonna win the game. That's not what I'm saying here. Just be really careful with a Florida Atlantic team that brings back a ton of starters. Mike Stoops is the defensive coordinator there. There's already been some talk that maybe it has been the world's greatest summer for Emory Jones. I'm not telling you to, you know, get settled in front of your TV with popcorn in hand for Florida Atlantic and Florida. But as you're going about your day on Saturday, getting ready for the dogs in Clemson that night, just keep your eye out for maybe this one, to quote the legendary words of Coach Corso, just keep your eye out on the Florida Atlantic, I believe is also the Owls. We had two Owls in that graphic a moment ago, Rice and Florida Atlantic. Keep your eyes on Florida Atlantic 
to maybe be closer than the experts think against Florida in week one. Uh, that could end up being a little bit fun there for a Florida Atlantic team that has got a lot of experience, pretty good coaching staff, and could maybe find a way to kind of game plan on Saturday as the hopes of keeping it somewhat close because they'll know they know they'll get some in-state cachet for doing that. Just keep that in mind as we head uh, towards Saturday. The most talked about story of the weekend. I'm one of these guys. I got two kids, and on the weekend, if it's not a, a true football weekend, we're running around a bunch. Um, so I'm not like glued to the TV watching as much sports as sometimes I'd like to. And sometimes I'm kind of forced to just sort of try to keep my finger to the wind and sort of see what people are kind of talking about. And over the course of the weekend, it seemed like, you know, people were talking about a couple of things. Uh, Braves obviously taking two of three from the Giants, but that's probably more just my crowd. But beyond that, people were talking about the awful week one for uh, Nebraska, or I should say week zero performance from Nebraska. But the thing that got the most chatter, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, text messages, social media, everything. Did y'all see what happened to ESPN on TV yesterday? Now, this is one of those things that um, if you know, you know, and if you don't, maybe you don't care, but there was all kinds of chatter about this. So we talked on Friday's show about the uh, the big kickoff weekend that ESPN was doing. Uh, Raven County played. Gunnar Stockton will have a chance to see him on TV on Friday night on Peachtree TV. He put on a big show for the ESPN cameras over the course of the weekend. That's just going to let some of what happen. But you also had the Sunday game between – IMG Academy, who you know, big power program out of Bradenton, Florida, supposed to be playing a team out of the state of Ohio called Bishop Sycamore with supposedly a bunch of FBS-level prospects that had magically moved in to the program over the course of the offseason. Now, here's a couple things about this. First of all, the school is named Bishop Sycamore. A quick Google search, and some people online were talking about this, there is no Bishop Sycamore. Like, that's just, like, you know, normally a school is named, like, this is named after, like, Bishop Gorman. There was a Bishop Gorman, right? I mean, there is no Bishop Sycamore, first of all. There's, you know, <laughs> that that thing doesn't exist as an entity uh, in terms of a person, you know, to have a school named after them. Beyond that, this Bishop Sycamore team had played on Friday and then played IMG again on Sunday. They, you know, lost 50-something to nothing. It could have been 200 to nothing. I mean, it was so bad that the ESPN can't, uh, Uh, commentators were actually apologizing for the game during the game saying that the health and safety of the players on the Bishop Sycamore side was actually in jeopardy because they had no business being on this field this was essentially a scam ESPN got scammed by this supposed high school team to get a game with IMG Academy on national television y'all it's not even a school uh like if you like google earth the school building there is no school there it's just like a p.o box um it's like a lot empty lot um they played six games last year they lost all of them in you know kind of embarrassing fashion they are playing a supposed national schedule this year so it's not just espn that got scammed although you got to think that some of the games they did schedule with like some of the big teams in the country the reason why they got those games was because they were able to say hey we're playing img academy on espn so therefore you might as well schedule us too in fact, there's even some online chatter. Now, I can't confirm this. I really can't confirm any of this, but it's all over the Internet. The the, the, the the most salacious rumor of all is that the quarterbacks actually already graduated high school in Maryland and came back and, like, basically rebooting his career now, which, listen, who, has, who of us hasn't wanted to do that? Kind of go back to high school and do it all over again and do it better the second time than the first time. There is, a, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, rumors that might be the uh, deal there on that front. Y'all gotta, if you haven't seen the story, you got to find this. It is crazy uh, what goes down to the point where ESPN's like, listen, we thought they had some college prospects. 
We couldn't verify those prospects. It's a terrible look for ESPN, even though their, you know, like their games on this are actually, I guess, put together by kind of a third-party outfit. But listen, you're ESPN, man. If you're putting this on your TV, you got to know what you're putting out there. Not a good look for ESPN, but a bizarre, bizarre, you know, situation there on Saturday. We'll make that your SEC through. All right, uh, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Let's turn our attention back to UGA for a moment, and we told you. Listen, you head towards the game day on Saturday. You know, you know the Georgia issues. Georgia's thinking about its you know, defensive secondary, the injuries that have piled up, the need to upgrade that offense to kind of match what the best teams in the country have done, unsettled on the offensive line, maybe a bit. But you should understand that on the other side of the field, in the other camp here this week, you know, Clemson remains a little bit unsettled too, and things aren't all perfect in Tiger land right now. In fact, I mentioned a moment ago the fact that Georgia trying to figure out who its starting center is going to be in light of the Warren Erickson injury and certainly thinking about left tackle for sure. Clemson's got an ongoing competition as well to name a starter at center. That's still very much unsettled. It's been a huge talk if you're reading Clemson message boards right now when Dabo Sweeney meets with reporters. He's almost always asked about it. I believe at last check there were three guys still a part of the competition. In fact, let me go back to about a week or so ago, uh, Dabo Sweeney you know, saying, hey, we haven't figured it out yet, but now's the time to get it decided about who that starting center for Georgia against Georgia is going to be. This is Dabo Sweeney talking about that. Dabo, is there a date, sort of timeline, by which you would like to have a, a, a starting center to move forward, or is that something that could continue well into, I guess, game week? Uh, possibly, yeah. It possibly could. You know, we'll watch this tape tonight, and then um, – you know, again, we'll start honing in on the personnel and how we want to rep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, you know, two weeks from now, you still got to go practice well. Nobody's Nobody at this point is entitled to go be the starter. You still got to go earn it every day, continue to, to, to earn it every day and perform well. And, uh, you know, next week I think we'll start honing in a little bit on uh, 2D and, uh, and the 3s that are kind of right there as well. And, Get ready to go play. So that's Dabo there saying we're trying to figure all this out. I guess Matt Bockhurst, who's a guard now in the Clemson program, sounds like some Clemson fans think that he may be the leader in all of this, but it's like three guys in total are kind of competing to be that guy. So a little bit unsettled. And, you know, Clemson offensive line was not great against Ohio State in the college football playoff either. In fact, far from great. So I'm not saying and that, that proves that Georgia's going to go out there and beat Clemson because they don't have a starting center yet. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, as Kirby Smart told you when Warren Erickson got hurt, you don't mess around. You don't play around the center. But you got to make sure you got your a really strong guy. And in fact, there are a lot of NFL teams who maybe at one point in time would have said, hey, you want your best guy to be at left tackle? That's the position that matters the most. There are a lot of NFL teams kind of rethinking that, that the premium position on the offensive line now for some NFL teams actually is center, and college isn't so far away from that being true for them either. That's how much responsibility the center has for identifying certain things about the defense, making the quarterback feeling comfortable, and just kind of keeping that engine humming when it comes to the offense. So Georgia's had its issues with center because of the injury to Warren Erickson and the potential emergence of a guy like Cedric Von Braun or whoever it ends up being for a week one uh, there against the Tigers. But on the other side of the field, Clemson dealing with some of that kind of stuff too. So if you're watching for that enemy intel this week, watch what is said about Clemson at the center position. You better believe big spotlight on that position group, 
knowing that Jordan Davis on the other side, Georgia defensive line is very good. Interior of the Clemson offensive line is going to be tested. And for now, that group, a little bit like Georgia, a little bit unsettled. Let me also say this as we get ready to uh, wrap things up today. We talked about this on Friday's show. Don't forget, uh, offensive lineman Jacob Hood here this afternoon on this Monday gets ready to make his college choice. Dog Nation very closely monitoring that situation for Hood, who's got a lot of SEC teams in the mix for his uh, final decision. And if you want to go back and hear more thoughts on kind of you know what Hood is as a player and kind of how he could fit in for Georgia, uh, Jeff Sintel from Friday on our program on the road assisted by AAA did a great job of breaking down the status with Hood ahead of a decision here on this Monday afternoon so make sure you pay close attention to that Gatorade roll call how about a golden shoe winner and a lot of folks trying to make use and enjoyment of their last weekend before the season begins including our buddy of NorCal uh, S Highland 23 a little long drink strong nice looking cigar giving you a go dogs you love to see folks having a good time on that final weekend before the season. Hopefully we're all smoking cigars and celebration come Saturday night. That's our golden shoe winner. How about a Gator Hater countdown? Just 61 days from right now. Dogs beat Florida. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Fun stuff all the way around. A lot of talk on Georgia Clemson, but here for our version of the Cool Down, of course, presented by R.S. Andrews who you can and should find online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. I want to go back to Friday's show a little bit because I think it was very interesting to a lot of people that Aaron Murray, in the audio that we played for you on Friday, had such pointed comments about the Georgia offense. And maybe Murray's right, maybe he's wrong. The fact of the matter is, as an analyst, he's gotten a few things wrong. And I think we probably talked about it when he's gotten those things wrong. But he was certainly very explicit in his opinion about the Georgia offense maybe not quite this season being what some fans wanted to be here are a couple of responses I got to that at dognation.com for what Murray had to say UGA dad 20 writes in to say of course no one can be sure but if and this is in capital letters as a way of emphasizing but if the offensive line lives up to its star ratings the remaining skill positions stay healthy and JT Daniel stays healthy and reaches close to his potential UGA will be in great shape offensively. If those things happen, the UGA offense could be the best offense in the country. Even everybody has an opinion. Thankfully, we can start seeing next week. And that's exactly right. We'll get a chance to see this against Clemson. And that's actually a really good thing that you don't have to wait very long to find this out. That whatever, you know, whatever Georgia is offensively, we can determine that pretty soon. We can determine that uh, pretty quickly. We ought to be able to to find that out. And you know, I think the thing that a lot of fans may take from the comment that UGA dad 20 just gives you is, is that there are a handful of ifs to string together here. And if you think about like all of those ifs being a 50, 50 proposition, does the offensive line establish itself? Maybe it will, maybe it won't do the playmakers that Georgia seems to have available to those guys stay healthy. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Uh, does JT Daniel stay healthy? Uh, obviously we hope that he does those of us who are fans, but maybe he will, maybe you won't that there are a lot of potential variables for Georgia and that by the time you add all these variables together, maybe you get to a scenario where some people would say Georgia's chances of success are are a little less than some other offenses. For instance, because the Ohio State offense has been so good so many years in a row, the Alabama offense has been so good so many years in a row. Look at the side-by-side comparison between Georgia and Clemson. You know, on paper, there are a lot of things about Georgia and Clemson that seem somewhat similar. Georgia has untested offensive linemen. Uh, I should say untested wide receivers, big-time playmakers. Clemson does there as well, but the unspoken 
addendum to all that is, yeah, but we've seen Clemson replace its playmakers before and be fine in doing so, that Georgia for now has a little bit of skepticism about its own chances of doing that, maybe not necessarily getting the benefit of the doubt. And so obviously that's one of the important things for Georgia against Clemson is proving, no, that because it's year two of Todd Munkin, because it's capable quarterback in JT Daniels, and because it's probably a collection of like receivers, the wide of, of you know playmakers, the wide receiver position that are maybe better than some realize, uh, you know, more recruiting wins there in that spot that maybe George has been given credit for. That actually, yeah, UGA does have a chance, as UGA Dad Twenty describes there in the comment section, to put it all together this year. Red Dog One though strikes a slightly different tone, at least in one respect. He says, if you have a million-dollar quarterback and you give him time to throw, even with mediocre receivers, you're going to move the ball down the field. It boils down to the offensive line and time to throw. Mix in being able to run the ball, and you'll move the chains. It ain't rocket science. So it's funny, on the basis of Red Dog's comment there, to me, it fits in with what I think we've heard from a lot of folks so far in what was the offseason. Now we are actually at the start of the season. There are a lot of Georgia fans who were wait and see on this offensive line. They didn't love what they saw last year from Matt Luke in year one, and they want to see more from that group here in year two. That's just kind of what it is. There's just a lot of folks who are ready to see better play from the Georgia offensive line. So if you think about you know, like message boards or social media or the places where Georgia fans got the fingers and thumbs at the ready to fire off some hot takes, there are some Georgia fans waiting to pounce if this offensive line isn't part of the solution for Georgia on Saturday and is instead more part of the problem. And so, listen, you come to a place like Georgia, if you're Matt Luke, you know, you've got big expectations, big responsibilities, and that's what Georgia faces. And, you know, I know Connor Riley has written about this at dognation.com today, that the battle between these two offensive lines, and this is a spot in which Georgia's out-recruited Clemson. Clemson's had some high-profile losses when it comes to the offensive line spot, including uh, pretty famously Jamari Salyer, who some Clemson folks thought might come their way and instead made good on what had been some predictions to come to UGA. But either way, you know what Georgia's collected the offensive line, what Clemson still has there in its coffers, the offensive line between these two that plays the best, as Connor said, may end up winning this game. But certainly Georgia fans will have their eye on it in a big way because – it's just the kind of thing you just keep hearing over and over again. A lot of Georgia fans kind of bringing that up. So very interesting stuff all the way around. Thank you for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. Find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section at dognation.com. Share your thoughts. Look forward to reading all of those during this space each and every day. And, of course, I'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We will look forward to seeing all of you then.